Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. I have an audio masterclass for you today that you're going to love the title of. I will teach you to be rich. No guilt, no excuses, no BS. Just a six-week program that works with Ramit Sethi. Now, who's Ramit? Well, he's the author of the New York Times bestseller, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, and he's become a financial guru to millions of readers in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. He started his website, IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com, as a Stanford undergrad in 2004, and now he hosts over a million readers per month on his blog, newsletter, and social media. So Fire Nation will be diving into this intriguing topic as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsor. Growing businesses need qualified candidates, and qualified candidates can be a challenge to find. Lucky for us, ZipRecruiter makes it simple, fast, and smart. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Rumi, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. What's up, Fire Nation? John, thanks for having me on. Yes. Pumped to be here. And, uh, you know, a lot of people know about my philosophies on business and personal finance. But what you might not know is that in my elementary school, I took place last place in the sit and reach competition in my class. I had the worst flexibility. <laughs> and that is a competition that's haunted me until today. Now, I got to be honest. I mean, I feel like your heritage kind of runs with the yoga side of things. So not being that flexible. <laughs> you would think. You, you would, would think. think. Uh, unfortunately, I guess that skipped me by. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that because I kind of prepped Ramit for this question, Fire Nation. And I said, hey, it doesn't have to be a deep, dark secret. He's like, well, it's going to be because I've never shared this before. So thanks for breaking that a lot, down. A lot of shame. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, Fire Nation, as I mentioned in the intro, this audio masterclass is going to be awesome. It's all about I will teach you how to be rich with no guilt, no excuses, no BS, just a six-week program that absolutely works. So before we dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode, Ramit, why did you decide that now is the right time to update this New York Times bestselling book? You know, the book came out in March 09, which turned out to be the bottom of the recession. And I always believe in creating material that is timeless, that's going to last forever. So as soon as the book came out, it hit number one on all of Amazon. And, you know, it was it sold out immediately. And I was kind of like, great, like this did better than I thought. This will help lots of people. I'm good. I'm going to go back and focus on my business. And my publisher started calling and asking me to not write another one and update the book. And I was very confused because in my mind, you just create the best thing and then that's it. It's done. Well, I started getting emails from people after a year or two saying, hey, is this book still current? I was like, what do you mean current? Investing advice doesn't change. It's good stuff. It works. The system automates your money. Spend less than an hour a month on your money and it'll just do what it needs to do. But it turns out that after 10 years, things there are some things that do change. So the publisher came knocking about eight years after launch and they said, look, you really got to start thinking about this. It's going to be a decade. Uh, people wow. want freshness. And that really changed my view on things. And I thought about myself, you know what? I do like to buy the best, but I also like freshness. I like new products. I like to see what's changed. That's why I decided to update the book top to bottom, 80 new pages of material, new tools. Uh, I added new insights because a lot's changed in my life. You know, I've, be, I've gotten married. Uh, my business has grown. 
Uh, a lot of um, things have changed, so I added those. Uh, a lot of stuff that's new, like FIRE, financial independence, retire early, crypto, all that stuff. And finally, stories. People who bought the book 10 years ago used it and are financially set for life. Fire. That is so on brand, Fire Nation. Financial independence, retire early. I love it for all those reasons. And Ramit, I did not read this book when it first came out back in 2009. I was still myself in the corporate rat race. I didn't even really know this world existed. But in 2011, I went on this summer of reading. I literally went on Amazon. And this is like before I even had a Kindle or even knew what a Kindle was, I think. And I ordered all these physical books. I like went and said, I went into in the Amazon and typed in like best business books. And I ordered like the Dale Carnegie's and Napoleon Hills. And your book was on that list as well. So it came in and it was one of like 10 or 15 books I read over the course of this summer that I was just trying to inoculate myself with all of this knowledge. And then, you know, within six months from that, I actually launched Entrepreneurs on Fire. So, I mean, this is kind of one of those books that helped get my mindset out of that old traditional way of thinking into the right one. And I can tell you from being in corporate finance and now running my own business for seven years with EO Fire, so many people struggle for no reason, Ramit. And one thing that everybody can do today to ease that struggle is actually automate your personal finances. So kind of talk a little bit about this, like the best bank accounts, the difference between how wealthy people treat their money versus everyone else. Let us know what the deal is with this. Well, you know, I believe in using psychology against yourself. And there are so many areas in life that we think we should do something. And yet, if you actually look at your own behavior, you're probably not doing it. Classic examples, working out of the gym, eating right. Some lesser known examples would be, you know, calling your mom and dad or maintaining those strong relationships. And I think money's right at the top of that list. You know, we all know we probably should be saving. Oh, yeah. We know there's something called a 401k or a SEP IRA, but we don't know what it is <laughs> and what to do. And, uh, and so we just kind of put our head in the sand. And listen, I'm the first guy to be very non-judgmental about it. Like I have a lot of compassion for people who have things going on in their lives, whether you're a business owner, whether you're working at a job, Trust me, it's a lot easier to not pull up a prospectus and a 401k document and just go out and live your life. The issue is that um, most of us have been taught that money is a negative thing. And when you think about money, it's all these, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't spend money on lattes. You shouldn't go on vacation. You should just save it all. And I believe that you should actually change the way you talk about money. I like to start with yes. Yes, I want to spend a ton of money on the things I love. In fact, I want to spend extravagantly. And I want to take my family on a trip with me, or in my case, take a six-week honeymoon and bring our parents along for part of it. So how do you do that? Well, I think the first thing is to reframe the way you think about money. It's not about uh, picking individual stocks. That's not what investing is. And it's also not about manually contributing money and desperately trying to cut back on lattes here and there. I spend less than an hour a month on my money. That's all based on setting up the right accounts and making the system automatically flow. Just imagine someone's beautiful inbox and like email comes and it automatically gets filtered to the right places. This email gets automatically processed, that one gets deleted and you're left with just a few emails that you want to answer. That's how the money system in this book works. So your money comes in, you get to choose. I want some of it to be invested. I show you exactly how to invest. I want some of it to be saved in a sub savings account, like maybe for a down payment, maybe for a vacation. I want to pay my bills and I want to be left with this bright, shiny thing I call guilt free spending. That's what the book covers. 
Partner Nation, I just want to say first and foremost, this is the step-by-step process that Ramit takes you through within this. I actually have that updated and revised version on my desk right here, as well as a nice handwritten note. So thank you, Ramit, for that. That was very thoughtful. So this is the exact process that you are going to be able to go through to do everything that you need to be doing when it comes to automating these finances. And listen, this is Ramit's fourth time on this podcast. And I've got to just say, Ramit, have we ever had you on when we haven't heard a lovely siren from a policeman or woman Yo, just I, just circling you your block? You know, thank you for calling that out. I mean, people are like, where do you live, man? You know, this is the problem. In, in You live in New York City. You get used to sirens. And if you come over, it's so funny when people visit because they'll just stop mid-conversation and they'll be like, so they'll be looking out the window like, what is going on? Is there some crazy thing? And I don't even notice it anymore. I've become immune to it. So anyway, thanks for calling it out. <laughs> I, I didn't even hear the siren that you were just talking Oh, no, about. it happened. I was like, is that person literally just circling Ramiz Block right now? But <laughs> it's so funny and I can resonate with it because um, I used to live in San Diego and down in Point Loma, we had friends down there. We'd always go out to their place for dinner. And whenever we got down there, we would be having dinner and then a plane would go right overhead. I'm talking like probably 300 feet in the air because it's like right in the landing strip basically. And we would just call it the Point Loma pause. Everybody would just pause because it was too loud to talk, but you wouldn't acknowledge it. You would just pause and then it would go past and then you would just pick it right back up. It was almost like you were (laughs) frozen in time. But anyways, let's talk about this because this is one thing that I feel like a lot of people could learn from you on. How do wealthy people treat their money versus everyone else? Let's break up those differences. Okay, it's so different. So when you think about um, the average person when it comes to money, this is a, a thing that I've studied a lot, both with my friends, who many of whom have changed their socioeconomic status, going from very middle class to very wealthy. And I've also come along that path growing up in a very modest family, a large family where my dad went to work and my mom stayed home with us and then growing my business and really thinking about how money has changed as I've thought about it. I would say that the way that we think about money in America is at best confusing and at worst filled with lots of myths and lies. Think about it. Um, people believe when you think about a millionaire, what do you think? You think that, Oh, you know, maybe they're richy rich wearing a chinchilla coat. There's this view. Then other people actually have gone to the other end of the spectrum and have said, oh, no, Um, we idolize when people have become very wealthy, but then they still spend like when they had no money. Just think about Warren Buffett. What's the first thing everybody talks about when it comes to Warren Buffett? Oh, he lives in the same house he's been living in since 1959. Yeah, that's cool. He doesn't really care about, you know, his house, but he also has a private jet. So the answer is nuanced and it's somewhere in between. If you are earning more money, you change the way you think about it, and you should. One example is that uh, wealthy people think about money as a tool to solve problems. For example, I have students of mine who have started businesses using some of our courses. They make a million bucks a year, and they're still shopping for their own groceries. Now, some people legitimately love shopping for their own groceries, but if your time is that valuable, as... um, As Brian Tracy said, the more successful I became, the less I was able to afford doing certain things, like mowing his lawn, because he would rather have spent that limited time with his daughter. Same thing here. If you're making a million bucks a year and you're still doing your grocery shopping, which you don't enjoy, that's a problem. Now, when you ask these successful students, why are you still doing it? Their answer becomes very, very murky. They say, well, 
you know, I could do it myself. It doesn't take that long, which may be true, but imagine your calendar filled up with three hours of things that don't take that long that you could do yourself. The wealthy use money as a tool. They've taken the emotional part from hot to cool. It's not anxiety. It's not guilt ridden. It's I have a problem. I'm going to pay someone to solve it. And I'll give you one more example. Just last night, I was speaking to one of my students who, who does very well. And she said she orders a lot of clothes online, but she hates returning them, hates it. And I said, well, guess what? I do the same thing. My assistant who lives in a different state handles the returns. I just take it downstairs, leave the box with the doorman, and it magically disappears. And they, the, the students were very confused. Like, how does she do that? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. It's not my job to know. I just take it downstairs and it disappears and I get credited. So I would challenge everyone. A lot of us um, asking questions like what bank account gives me a 0.2% higher interest rate. That's a $30 question. I want to challenge everyone listening today to start asking the $30,000 questions. How do I invest? How do I automate? How do I make my money compound? Those are the big questions. The little questions about, you know, should I order a lemonade or a latte? That's a $3 question. And that's not going to get you where you really want to go. Fire Nation, wealthy, they use money as a tool to serve their problems, period, end of story. I mean, look at my situation right here. I live in a 5,000 square foot home. I mean, there's five bedrooms or six bathrooms. Do you think I'm running a seven figure a year business while I'm spending multiple days per week, which is what it takes to keep this place clean and up and going and you know, have the windows like not all salty from the ocean? Like, no, of course not. I have people that do that. So I come into my office, into my studio, where I can do what I do best, have conversations with Ramit, write emails to you, Fire Nation, create courses, products, services. You know, I loved how you put that, Ramit, how everybody talks about cutting back on lattes, but nobody talks about earning more. Am I gonna get in my car right now and drive 30 minutes to the nearest Costco to spend an hour and a half to two hours shopping and then come back? Not to mention the time that it takes, but my energy and bandwidth, while I could take those four or five hours of just clean mental energy and create something that's going to serve hundreds, thousands, potentially millions of people. How are you using your time, Fire Nation? What are you investing in or not investing in that's costing you in the long run? Like my dad, he's old school. I'll call him out. No problem. He was just visiting two months ago. He's like, John, I can't believe you have people mowing your lawn. I'm like, dad, I live on <laughs> half an acre. You think I'm going to spend like three quarters of my Saturday weeding and mowing my lawn and like pruning and doing those things when I could either be relaxing, enjoying life or earning more money doing my business, think about this stuff, Fire Nation. And for you, Ramit, nobody's better to ask than you about starting a business because you've started multiple businesses in multiple verticals. Why is now, today, the time to create an online business? You know, I, I started my business when I was in college, 2004. It was just a blog. It wasn't even a business. I just felt like I had something the world needed to hear. And I think a lot of us have something that the world needs to hear, but we get overwhelmed with, you know, oh, I need my design to be perfect and I need to figure out the right email provider to use. But really, if you think about what you talk to your friends about behind closed doors, or if I were to call up your friends and say, you know, what's John really good at? And they're like, you know, John is just amazing, for example, at bringing people together for parties at his house. That's a skill. That's a business right there. That's a multiple six-figure business minimum. So um, the world definitely has something you need to hear, number one. And when I was starting out, I didn't even know how to set a blog up properly, and it was all messed up for the first three years. I think that nowadays the tools have become so much easier, 
the ability to reach people quickly has become amazing through social media. And I have to admit, I've taken a 180 on this. I used to kind of um, talk about social media as a way that, like, there are not really any buyers there. And I've really come around on that. Um, we do pretty well with social media, my Instagram, for example. And so you can reach people very quickly. But I think the most powerful thing now is that there are some really powerful frameworks for how quickly you can start a business. You can start it quickly and you can do it totally ethically. So think about the old days. You might uh, start a dog walking business and you might you know, hang up uh, flyers at your local library or on polls. And that's fine. You could still do that today. But nowadays you can also reach an endless audience with Craigslist, with online uh, uh, sites in your neighborhood. And once you start to scale with a consulting business or a service-based business, I have a lot of my students that started off charging $10, $20 an hour, a modest amount. They went up to $100 an hour. There are different ways that you raise your rates that high. Some of them went to over $500 an hour. And then once they have so many clients at $500 an hour that they can't fulfill them, even after they've raised their rates more, then they can create information products. They can do group coaching. There's so many ways to diversify your revenue. So I would say that um, the time is awesome to start a business. I would say that the tools are way easier than they've ever been. And I would just challenge everyone. The world definitely has something that it needs to hear from you. And if you start writing, even in your own private journal for a week, you might be surprised with how good it actually is. But Ramit, I still hear these questions all the time, these barriers that people just throw up in front of them. They say, but John, I don't have an idea. I don't have time. I'm not an expert in this area. Talk to us about using the demand matrix to come up with different business ideas. The thing that you hear from people is time and idea, right? So why do you think that that's like the number one question they always bring up? I don't have an idea and I don't have time. What are they really asking there? I'm waiting for that perfect idea. Yeah. And it's an it's a easy, convenient way to basically look up at heaven and say, I'm waiting for an idea to fall down from the sky. <laughs> Guess what? No idea is coming. Okay, nobody's going to send a lightning bolt down and just implant an idea in your brain. That's not how it works. You find an idea. An idea doesn't come to you. So let's talk about the demand matrix. I got a really simple formula. In fact, I'm going to give you two different formulas that you can use. So the demand matrix is basically a way to take an idea and plot it out to see how likely it is to succeed. Now, when people say, I don't have an idea, I reframe it and say, okay, give me 20 ideas. Instead of one, because people get fixated on the perfect idea, give me 20. And 19 of them are probably not very good. That's fine. So let's say you like dogs and you like fashion. You can come up with 20 ideas right there. I could be a stylist. I could um, create affiliate links and recommend clothes. You know, there's so many different things with clothing. Same with dogs. Dog walker, dog trainer, dog trainer for specific types of dogs, and on and on and on. Okay? So there's... I want you to imagine a quadrant. There's four boxes. At the top is high price. At the bottom is low price. On the left side is very few customers. And on the right is lots of customers. Okay, so let's just start at the top right corner and go clockwise. High price, lots of customers. This is what we call the golden goose. This is your dream. Uh, John, what's, a, what's an example of a product that has a high price and lots of customers? Investment funds. Investment funds. Okay, that's good. Very good. Very good. My, I would say an iPhone. Good, like mass, mass market, but also high price. Okay, now let's go to 
the bottom right, which is lots of customers, but low price. This is what we call the mass market quadrant. What's an example of a product there? Maybe like a Planet Fitness, like a $10 membership. Beautiful. Love it. I'll say McDonald's hamburger. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay, let's go to the bottom left. Very few customers and low price. This is what we call the labor of love. Very few customers and low price. What's an example of this? Hairstylist. <laughs> Very good. I like it. Okay, I would say... 90% of the information products I see. Yeah, that's better. And video courses that are built where there's like no real market and they're, oh, I'll charge, you know, this is the world's best product on uh, uh, nail gloss and uh, <laughs> it's the world's best. I spent 30 years of research. By the way, it's uh, $14 and I'm going to give it to you for 75% off today only. Okay, you're doomed. You're out of business. That's labor of love. And then top left corner, high price and few customers. What's an example of this? Diamond rings. There you go. I would say Rolls Royce, Ooh. right? Super high end, few customers. So what this does is you take your 20 ideas and you plot it here. Now, don't try to be exact or surgical. It's just a general rule of thumb, but you're going to instantly see if you're creating, say, a mass market book, like I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which is out now, the second edition, that's going to be mass market. It's a lot of customers. It's a low price. It's like 10 bucks. But if you're creating something like one of our courses called Zero to Launch or Dream Job. That's a $2,000 course. And that is for a lot of customers because it's a very mass appeal. So you can start to plot your ideas, whether it be a dog walker or a dog coaching business. And all of a sudden you start to see, oh man, I don't want to be in the labor of love. So let me cross those five ideas off. Suddenly this allows you to see where there's going to be some demand and then to keep digging and do some customer research. Fire Nation, the demand matrix. And again, within this book, it's a step-by-step process. You need to fill out your demand matrix. Start getting some ideas. I mean, this is something that James Altucher talks a lot about too, is just keep writing down ideas and ideas and ideas. And guess what? Yeah, 98% of them might be bad. But the more ideas you write down, the more chance you have of coming up with that one or 2% that are absolutely awesome. Can I give you an example of an idea I recently did that surprised even me? Okay. So my wife decided to go to my parents' house and learn how to cook Indian food. So first of all, I was in heaven and I made, I was like, okay, can you make sure you learn these dishes specifically? And my mom was in heaven because she wanted her daughter-in-law to come and learn. And so I was posting some of these videos from my parents' house uh, on Instagram and tons of people started DMing me and saying, oh my God, this looks so good. <laughs> Is your mom ever going to teach an Indian food cooking class? Okay, so it was about 9 p.m. New York time, and I was just getting flooded with these DMs. So on a whim, I posted uh, an Instagram story that said, who wants to take a cooking class from my mom? And I was just like instantly flooded, okay? So I go, all right, here's what we're going to do. If you guys want to do this, send me an email Here's my email address. It'll be $101 because Indians always give an extra dollar. <laughs> and uh, my mom's going to teach a cooking class, you know, first 30 people or whatever. So I said, I have no idea if this is going to happen, but I'm going to sleep. And if it works, I'll call my mom in the morning and tell her. Okay. So I wake up in the morning. Boom. I have like 40 or 50 emails. Okay. They're like, I'm in, I'm in, take my money. So I had no idea this was going to happen. I called my mom. I said, mom, guess what? You're going to teach a cooking class. And she was like, what? No way. I said, yeah, mom. And she's like, she gets nervous. She goes, well, I don't know much about IT. I said, mom, don't worry about the IT stuff. I'll handle that. 
you just do what you do best. She's been an amazing, amazing chef for so many years for our family. So I flew her from California to New York. I just took my regular old webcam and set it up to work through Zoom. I used Eventbrite just to keep it really simple and get payment through there. And 30 or so people showed up. They cooked along with my mom. Some of them just watched. And at the end of this one hour session, they were like thrilled. They showed us the photos and videos of their so cool. Indian food. So that, that was just totally on a whim. Now, guess what? The amount that the check was for something like $1,700. I just gave it all to my mom. And if I wanted to turn that into a six-figure business, that could happen in about six to 12 months. And that's simply from posting stuff that I love. I posted a photo of my wife learning Indian food cooking from my mom. That was 1700 bucks, which could turn into six figures just like that. The key is stop waiting for the perfect idea and just look around at what's going on. People who are successful entrepreneurs know how to seize opportunities. Everyone else waits and tries to get the perfect camera. My camera was not very good. My copy was not very good. It was through Eventbrite. I didn't use any of my team's considerable skills. But the thing that mattered was my mom got to teach what she knows and people loved it. So I hope that's a story for everyone in Fire Nation to listen about. Fire Nation, I want to echo two words that Rami said at the end there, seize opportunities. The opportunities are there. They are there every single day in every way, shape, and form. But are you seizing those opportunities? And more value bombs coming up after we thank our sponsor. There are a lot of challenges we face as entrepreneurs, like finding the right hires. Lucky for us and for Jesse Cole, ZipRecruiter makes hiring simple, fast, and smart. Jesse is the owner of the Savannah Bananas, a minor league baseball team. He was looking for a director of fun, someone to lead the Bananas fan experience, videography team, community outreach, and entertain a packed stadium. Jesse knew it wouldn't be easy to find that kind of talent. That's why he tried ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's ability to send his job to over 100 job boards made his nationwide search fast, easy, and effective. Jesse says, as we continue to grow, for every hire, we'll go to ZipRecruiter. It was so unbelievably easy to use. And Jesse isn't alone. Four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, you too can find the perfect candidates by trying ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Once again, ZipRecruiter dot com slash fire ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So Rami, we're back and I still hear this question, which I get by the way, because I believe that I'm a man of very few passions, like very, very few passions. But there's a lot of people that say, John, I just don't have a passion. Like what would you say to those individuals? You get passion when you win. <laughs> Stop looking for passion. It's not falling down from the sky. A lot of times there are two different ways that I would think about passion. Um, one is that once you start growing your business and helping people, you will become passionate. Passion doesn't have to be the first thing. It can actually be the second thing. Okay. And then the other way that I would consider looking at it is when you are waiting for passion, you're being self-centered. You're looking at yourself and saying, I need this passion. I need to be fulfilled before I go out and start a business. When I started writing about personal finance in 2004, I, was I passionate? I don't know. Maybe. It's sort of irrelevant. What I wanted to do was help people learn about money because I had learned it. That's it. So 
if you're asking the question about passion, you might just be asking the wrong question entirely. You know, it's like saying, Hey, I want to lose weight. What type of shoelaces should I wear? <laughs> what the hell? What are we even talking about? I want to start a business. How do I find people that are willing to pay? That's it. It's as simple as that. Otherwise you have a hobby. If you can find people that are willing to pay, that's what you need to do. The passion will come as you start to help more and more people. Trust me, when I talk to people, like I just talked to them last night, I'm working through my book with about 150 hand-selected people. And they have told me, for example, oh my God, what I learned in chapter four just saved me $150,000 in fees that I was paying over my lifetime to this financial advisor. I didn't need to pay it. Wow. That got me passionate. Okay. But that was after I did all the hard work of learning about personal finance, distilling it, teaching it, building an audience. Now I get to benefit from the passion of it. Fire Nation, trust Ramit on this passion concept. Trust me on this passion concept. I was not passionate one iota about creating podcasts. I loved listening to podcasts. I would listen to them every single day. I enjoyed the platform as an entertainment value, but I wasn't passionate about creating podcasts, about editing podcasts. I wasn't passionate about that. But guess what? You get passion when you win, Fire Nation. And when I had done hundreds of episodes and I got good, and when I did hundreds of episodes and started making hundreds and then thousands and then hundreds of thousands and now millions of dollars, I'm pretty passionate about podcasting right now. And you will find the exact same thing when you win and whatever that thing is that you might not be passionate about now, but that passion will grow. And I can say this for me with a straight face as well is that so many people do have a passion for one thing. And that's passive income. They just see themselves laying on a beach, you know, just like looking at their phone every like couple hours, like, all right, just made a couple more hundred thousand dollars, whatever (laughs) it might be. Why is passive income not so passive? Okay, so I love this question because I make uh, passive income. Okay, I also make active income from doing work and showing up to work every day. I want to tell the truth about passive income because I think the dream is so powerful that people actually allow themselves to willingly be misled. If you talk to people who have made passive income, and I'm talking about people like you, people who have made it for a long time and consistently, it's not a fluke. They didn't do one launch. They've been doing it for years. You will discover that they planted lots and lots and lots of seeds years ago, and they worked without making much money at all. For example, when I started out, I started a company in Silicon Valley. The first year I made $11,000. I lived in a bedroom of a shared house. I would go to Google to eat with my friends and I would take a backpack and like take food from Google (laughs) because they were all working there. And I was like, hey, can I get some extra popcorn? Right. So, so then, and I started this blog, no way to make money. I didn't make money for several years. And eventually I started making a little, and then I learned how to scale and I learned how to grow my audience and really hone my message and help more people. When you talk about passive income, the dream is waking up in the morning, you look over at your phone and you've made, you know, 500 or 2000 or $15,000. All of that is possible, right? You teach that we teach it in our courses like zero to launch and all these other courses that we have. The key challenge there is, are you willing to go through the initial phase where you might not be making passive income up front? That's question number one. Are you willing to do it? And then the second question is, sometimes people would be better off making active income than passive income. So I talk to people and they're like, yeah, you know, I have this job. It's okay. 
but I really want to start this passive income thing. I'm like, okay, cool. That's totally doable. Let's talk about your job for a second. Um, have you tried to negotiate your salary? What? No. Jobs are for losers. I'm like, what? They bought into the internet marketing hype that anyone who has a nine to five is just a loser. And I don't believe that. I think that a lot of times active income, whether it comes from a salary or freelancing or any type of business where you are putting time in can be great. I have a lot of people I know who make 500,000 to a million dollars a year as a consultant. That's awesome. That's an awesome lifestyle to be able to do that. Yes, they are trading time for money, but they're getting an amazing return. So those are some ways I would think about passive income. First off, if you want it, you can totally get it, but you have to be willing to go through a phase where you're planting seeds. And second, don't immediately discount active income. There's a ton of value in being paid well at your job. There's a ton of value in being a highly compensated consultant. So be sure you're considering all the options uh, before you chase a dream. In Fire Nation, the reality is this. Entrepreneurs, for the most part, they run out of runway. They run out of time. And the more you can make now in preparation for this leap you're going to make, the longer you're going to be able to be in the game to actually win. And so you you mentioned one thing that I think is real, real functional and real important for a lot of listeners who are in that situation right now, and that's negotiating a raise. So get specific for a second, Ramit. How can someone in Fire Nation who's in that situation negotiate, say, $5,000 raise right now? Easy, easy, easy to do. It can totally be done. And remember that let's just say you're in your 20s. As an easy example, a single $5,000 raise, if you invest it properly, can be worth over a million dollars over the course of your lifetime. It's a lot. So let's talk about this. The correct way to do it is you send an email to your boss and you say, hey boss, um, I'd love to take some time next Friday or whenever your schedule opens up and talk about my role here, specifically what I can do to be a top performer. Can you set aside 30 minutes for us to talk? Every boss is going to say yes to that. You go in, you say, you know what? I just wanted to sync up. My goal here is to make your job easier, and I'd like to be a top performer. So I'd like to get specific about what that looks like in my role. What would I need to accomplish specifically so I could be a top performer? Now, the boss is going to be a bit surprised. He or she might say, oh, you know, just keep working hard, blah, blah, blah. But push the boss. Say, you know, here are the three projects I'm working on. You know, I'm working on the onboarding project. Right now, our conversion rate is 4%. What would that number need to be in order for me to be a top performer? Oh, 6%? Okay, great. I'm going to write that down. Go through the other two examples and say, you know what, boss? I really appreciate this. It helps me know what it takes to make your job easier. If I do all these things, assuming I exceed expectations, I'd love to discuss a compensation adjustment. But first, let me work on these things and knock them out of the park. Would that be okay? Every boss is going to say yes. So you walk out. You send an email summarizing the conversation, and then now is where the hard work begins. you got to knock those numbers out of the park. Update your boss every week, maybe every two. Hey, boss, here's what we talked about in January. Here's a quick update. Before we were doing this, now we're doing this. Here's the three projects I'm working on. Update, update, update. Now, after roughly six to 12 months, when your next review's up, you want to make sure that you walk in, and I always say 85% of the work is done before you ever walk in the room. You walk in. You've already hit those goals. Maybe you've hit two out of three, but you've knocked them out of the park. You've also done your salary research on salary.com and pay scale. So you walk in, you say, you know what? Six months ago we met, you told me that this is what I would need to do to be a top performer. The target was 6%. I actually got 8%, right? And then, so the boss is just like, no surprises. They already knew this was coming. Their jaws dropped. Then you say, (laughs) you know, one other thing is I'd like to discuss a salary adjustment. 
based on the numbers in the market, here's what I should be paid. So I'd like to discuss adjusting me into that top of that range. How do you think that conversation is going to go versus kicking down the door and saying, give me some money? <laughs> Night and day. This is the classic success. Whether you're working at a job or whether you're an entrepreneur, you want to outwork and outprepare everyone else. Nobody said this is supposed to be easy. If you want a 5, 10, or in a lot of my students' cases, I walk down the street in New York, two to three times a week, people will come up and say, Ramit, you help me get a $25,000 raise with your dream job course. It happens all the time. How does that happen? It's not an accident and it's not just luck. It's a lot of hard work. They had to work for months to knock those numbers out of the park and therefore it becomes very easy for their boss to find the money. Fire Nation, mic drop. And before we do actually drop this mic, I want to end with you, Ramit, sharing more about your updated book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Now, for those who haven't read the 2009 version, I mean, what are you waiting for? Get out there, make it happen. And for those who did read the 2009 version, Ramit, what do they have to look forward to with this updated and improved edition? Lots of new tools are out there. So there's lots of tools that people are using, whether they be uh, financial tools, new accounts. I've updated the bank accounts and credit cards that I use. I talked about the playbook that we built for me to decide which credit cards and which perks I benefit from. All that is in there. Specific accounts, I tell you the best ones and the worst ones. So I name names. I also added tons and tons of new insights on psychology and money. For example, a lot of us have these beliefs that we've held since when we were kids. One of them you might hear, have heard from your parents is, we don't talk about money in this family. Mm. Or don't get too big for your britches. And you have to be, you'd be surprised at how much those conversations you heard when you were seven years old still affect your behavior today. A ton. Well, once you see them diagnosed, I show you how to overcome them or embrace them. So there's that. And then lots of personal things, right? What happened when we got married? How did we talk about finances together? And uh, finally, new stories. People who use the book, they paid off hundreds of thousands in debt. They have $800,000 in investments just growing every year. Talk about passive income. You'll find out exactly how they did it. Where's the best place for Fire Nation to pick up a copy? You can get a copy on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any indie bookstore. You can find it anywhere. Fire Nation, that's what it's all about. Investing in yourself, making things happen. So Ramit, we've talked about a ton of of stuff today. What's the one key takeaway? Just one thing if Fire Nation can just walk away with that value bomb that you want to make sure we get from today's episode. You know what? I want everyone to reframe the way they think about money. Money is a typically a thing of guilt, anxiety. I want you to reframe it. What if you had tons of money in the bank? What if you were totally abundant with money? What if you lived your rich life? What would that be? Walk through it for a second. Close your eyes. What would you wake up? What time? Do you have an alarm clock? Are you pouring your own tea? Is someone pouring it for you? Are you making breakfast or is someone else? Who's doing the dishes? Where are you going? Are you taking a tennis class? Create your rich life in your head and then you can use money to get there. You can save automatically. You can invest automatically. You can grow it to do whatever your rich life is. That's what this book will show you how to do. 
visualize your rich life, Fire Nation, because you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today you've been hanging out with Ramit and JLD. So keep up that heat and head over to eofire.com, type Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, in the search bar. And not just this episode, but the past three episodes he's been on will come up as well. And you can listen to all the Ramit genius that's been shared on Entrepreneurs on Fire over the years, which has been an absolute ton. And of course, make sure you pick up this new and improved version. I will teach you to be rich. And Ramit, I want to thank you for sharing your value bombs with Fire Nation today. For that, brother, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much. Well, there you have it, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed those value bombs by Ramit. And wow, I really hope you do check out this book because it is killer in so many ways. Ramit just lays it all on the line in such a easy to consume and actionable manner. I absolutely love it. And if you have a big goal, Fire Nation, how about we accomplish that together in 100 days? It's called the Freedom Journal, and it will provide you that step-by-step guidance to make sure your number one goal is accomplished in 100 days. So just visit thefreedomjournal.com. That's all you got to do. Use promo code podcast for a nice little discount because I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. And I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. Looking for a place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart? That place is ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.